It's time to go into auto reverse with Tony and Matt, where we look at bands that were underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week we're going auto reverse on George Duke. So, Tony, you know, Mr. Duke, Mr. George Duke was someone who, I mean, like most jazz guys, we went through, or specifically you went through a playlist that kind of almost hit the double digits. Because he, <laughs> the, the guy is, because he is prolific, he has done a lot of serious collaborations, and I mean, you know, it, I, you know, it was, what was great about this is like trying to learn all the things where his path was because I wasn't very clear because and we can get into how we both kind of got introduced to George Duke but like I didn't know first of all I didn't know he was from San Rafael the Bay Area uh, he actually lived in mm-hmm. San, San Rafael for like a year um, but yeah how he took his path from from there and then kind of hit with the traditional then went to more of the experimental then went to the rock and kind of, you know, took like a really interesting path and his, also with his collaborations. Uh, and then at the end, I think did a little bit more producing, but um, just a really, I mean, uh, like multi-level, talented, interesting, uh, you know, made a lot of interesting music and did, did a lot of varied music as well. Yeah, he made 30 albums as a solo artist. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like, okay, so he starts off with, and I, I, I thought this was kind of an interesting story, like, when he was, like, seven years old or something, like, he, his mom took him to see Duke Ellington, and his, mm-hmm. his mom's memory of it was that he just went, like, I want to play the piano now, I want to play the piano, after seeing him in concert, mm-hmm. uh, and then kind of went to play with uh, one of my favorite jazz guys, uh, Cannibal Adderley. Um, and- but that wasn't the first time he appeared on record. I guess no. he was on a John Luke Ponte record before that. Um, the violin player uh, who introduced him to Zappa after that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So it was Cannonball Adderley followed by Zappa. So um, so I think Cannonball's Cannonball's the time he was on Cannonball was seventy one to seventy two, and Zappa was. Let's see if I got this right. Seventy-three to seventy-six. Well, he went Mothers of Invention first, and then, oh, okay. and then he left. Went then went to Adderley, then came back to Zappa. Oh, I see. So he was at with Zappa, went to Cannonball, then came back to Zappa. Yeah, went Mothers, Adderley, Zappa, which is a kind of interesting thing. And you know, and played on. I think I don't not hundred percent sure of this, but I think one of his first album was the the Jean Luc Ponty album. Um, what was it called? The, the Cosmic Co- Messenger or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like in sixty. I, oh, I hear it is sixty nine. Jean Luc Ponty experience with George the George Duke trio. Looks sounds look oh, like look, look like John Luke was trying to piggyback on old Jimi Hendrix there with the the, 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 the old the experience, the experience yeah. line, <laughs> uh, but which is kind of ballsy for a violin player. Which I, I you know if it was another guitarist I'd probably you know if it was Frankie Maria I'd probably be like come on Frankie but like a violinist calling it an experience is probably actually a pretty funny thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, going to all those three things and those are that's kind of like nice you know those are like pretty drastic shifts there because you have. 
you know, Jean-Luc Ponte is probably like the middle ground between, um, and that album is kind of like a middle ground between like Zappa and Cannonball, who Cannonball, and God, I hope we cover him one day, because, and talk about like a deep catalog. Ah, uh, he didn't live oh. him and his brother, Nate. Um, mm -hmm. But God, like to go to there to Jean-Luc Ponte, then to Zappa, and then to doing just this really kind of robust, like you mentioned, just really robust solo career. Um, mm -hmm. where he, Especially the first five albums, they were really just like in the pantheon of jazz fusion or jazz rock fusion, whatever you want to call it. Right. Those albums are just, they're like untouchable. So I, just to rattle them off for people, it's uh, Soulless, Inner Source, Faces of Reflection, Feel, and The Aura Will Prevail. Yeah. My personal favorite, The Aura yeah. Will Prevail, because first of all, the whole second side are, are songs he wrote with, uh, with Zappa, that he co-wrote with Zappa. Right. And, uh, and I think Zappa actually plays on Feel, the record before. He plays guitar on it. But The Aura Will Prevail is sort of like, to me, the that transition point of all these like super killer like jazz fusion records that he started off making and then you can see in the aura that he's now thinking i think i might cross over yeah. and make r&b record or you know yeah. r&b records with a jazz fusion feel right, right. and kind of like what donald bird did i mean i i i was thinking of donald bird the whole time That's i was true. listening to I, his I, playlist and also writing about him well, I was going to mention it, but I was like, you know, I, I'm usually the one who mentions those collect those things, those connections on auto reverse. I was let like, Tony do it. let Tony, let Tony connect the dot on this one. <laughs> but you know, it's yeah, and it didn't, you know, he does like even after the R will prevail, which is probably, I mean, I guess the the Brazil, what was it, the the Brazilian that love came of, later, but that, that was came more later. like to your point, like that was more popular from a sales standpoint, but like the R will prevail is definitely more, I don't know, I don't know if landmarks the right word, but it's definitely one that really kind of really shows what, you know, he can do as a songwriter. Yeah. It was the record that where he was still had a foot in the jazz, the super hard jazz fusion side, jazz fusion, rock, whatever mm -hmm. he had a foot there, but then the other foot was already pointing towards this crossover thing. Like, Reach for it, Brazilian love affair. Uh, what's the other song um, that was a big hit? Uh, like the song he had with uh, with the bass player with um, Stanley, Stanley Clark, Clark uh, "Sweet Baby," right. and and uh, "Hip Pockets" and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's like yeah, that's pockets, right. that's a killer that's a killer thing though. He was able to make that transition in a, I think, in a tasteful way. He had his hits, but then like the deeper the 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 sort of like. Uh, the deep cuts on those albums are are still show his prowess as a player and a, an arranger. And let and let's talk about the one thing that I that I always notice about him in all of this in all his work. It's that melody. Yeah. It's like he just whether he's crossing over, whether he's making super like super straight up like jazz fusion. He the melody is never. It's always there, and it's always like so it's always encapsulated in this beautiful way and it, it, it's almost I, I think that is important um when we're talking about jazz artists um to that some of the ones that we like the most that we 
notice the most always have that in common whether it's whether it's George Duke whether it's John, uh, John Coltrane whether it's Donald Byrd they yeah. seem to have this knack for writing melodies um, and that's why and that's why I'm always like you know when I try to talk to people about jazz that maybe aren't jazz fans it's like if you just listen just a tiny a little bit more or a little closer the thing that you're looking for the melody is there oh uh, yeah you like, just have to I mean, be more patient yeah and you're you're right and like because I, I think people try to get like the abstract aspect but it's like look go listen to some dave brubeck you know go listen like yeah they all have these just you talk about hooky melodies they just don't drown it like they don't hit it on its head over the head they don't really over hit you over the head with it um you know another thing with george duke is that you know, just an amazing collaborator. I mean, you even look at mm -hmm. that album uh, after the Ara, uh, the I Love the Blues, She Heard Me Cry, which I guess was uh, oh, yeah. dedicated to Cannonball. I think he passed away. But that, like, had, you know, Lee Rittenhauer, Johnny Guitar Watson, you know, and then the, the Zappa alums, uh, Ruth Underwood, Tom Fowler, Bruce Fowler, which, mm -hmm. I mean, that's my favorite, by, side note, like, that's my favorite iteration of Zappa's band with, with, with George Duke was in it, you know, that did Apostrophe, mm -hmm. Overnight Sensation, Live at the Roxy, and... Um, I need a copy of Apostrophe. I don't have it. That's another thing that these notes reminded me of, that I need a copy of Apostrophe. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like, you know, the... Just the, the, the albums that he did with them is, uh, you know, it's just pretty phenomenal. But that band was just a real... Like, I, just, I used to have VHSs of live concerts of that band uh zappa's band with them and the thing is is like he you talk about the melody it's not just in his piano playing it's like he did that with his vocal stylings as well which you mm -hmm. know can come which comes across on some of the you know later albums it, like you said where the you know the more disco reach for it um that just is real simple but really catchy um uh you know it's just it's to pin him down into just like saying he he is a this type of musician or this type of he records this type of music is just he's a person who defies like you have to experience George Duke because there is so many layer not layers but different kind of avenues that you could walk down with his music, which is what I find the most interesting of it. Not all of it, uh, the stuff that I'm listening to I like as much as some of the others, but like there is such a range and an interesting directions that he takes and brings on to collaborate with, whether it's, you know, like you said, Stanley Clark, Billy, Billy Cobham, um, John Luke Ponte, um, you know, he, his man, his man, Paulina da Costa. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, he, percussionist. yeah, he brings, he brings people in and goes into like, even the live on tour in Europe, the Billy Cobham album, which I heard like, I got reacquainted with like a couple of years ago. I mean, I listened to that nonstop, not nonstop, I'm exaggerating. I listened to it often over a course of a month and it was just, it just gave all kinds of, like they tried a lot of different things in that collaboration. Um, and it's, and it was, you know, there's a muscular Billy Cobham and then there's the more smooth and it's kind of savvy and kind of like you say, the guy who knows how to play with play with the melodies, but also like take it off into directions that uh, that you know jazz fusion is known about is known for. Hey, 
Funk not only kills, it amps you. Bye-bye. No, no. Before we do that, uh, I'm gonna take you to the bridge and uh, drop you off into some funk. What about, I mean, when were you first, like, became aware of George Duke? I, I mean, I, you know, something like th this, our explorations kind of show you the full picture, but when were you fully, like, exposed to him, but also, like, kind of started gaining a deeper appreciation for him? I, th I think for me, it was not, like, it wasn't a radio thing, even though I probably heard Reach For It on the radio. Right. Um, and didn't know it was him, you know, because I was too young to sort of, like, do the digging um but i think for me it was part of my sort of crate digging uh sort of aspect of my record collecting and record listening where i was looking for the you know for the stuff that's been sampled and for the stuff that they used for certain songs and i came across a copy of whatever the album is that, that reach for it is on I, it might be called reach for no, it's it called reach, yeah it's reach for it yeah and i think i came ac across a dusty copy of reach for it and at the time and then it, this has to have been about 20 years ago maybe a little bit more and at the time i think i found a tom brown record mm -hmm. also the trumpet the trumpet player and maybe maybe the other guy that was really young um who was uh who had that song Ugh, i'm I, i'm totally <laughs> not tom brown but um oh another uh, young young gun young gun who was on grp records uh who um who also had a similar like was a jazz guy then crossed over but he was younger so i, I came across all those records at the same time and when i got a copy of of reach for it I kind of was like, oh, wow, this is so like, I know that song. I know Reach For It. I've heard right. it before. Yeah. And, and I know and it's been sampled before. And it has that kind of like uh, Parliament vibe to it. Like he Ooh. was listening to Parliament and it, and it influenced him. Um, but then when I dug deeper into the album, I realized, wow, this guy was such a such a good player and had other cool stuff to express on the album that wasn't necessarily crossover oriented. And then I started digging more, and then I realized he was in Zappa's band, and then I realized he had other solo records that pre-reach for it that were really great. And right. so it was kind of this accidental, like looking for beats, looking for for you know for things to um, you know just to identify as like having heard on on rap songs that I came across him. But it was definitely not a radio thing. It wasn't right, like right, right. word of mouth or shows. I knew nothing about him and then he passed away i want to say he passed away about 10 years ago yeah, if i'm well, not mistaken 2013 okay so, so like, like a like eight years yeah ago. like eight eight nine years ago yeah. when he passed away it kind of gave me pause because i was like i hadn't i had been thinking of him 10 years before when i was picking up his records but i always thought like a lot of times like a lot of a lot of things 
with with records and musicians i thought he'd always be there you yeah. know what i mean like he was not going anywhere and and when he died i was like fuck man like i should have paid more attention so i kind of went it was like my second go around of looking for his records and i went back and i found like the or will prevail i found uh the other record where he's just wearing a robe and yeah, yeah, it's uh, and, and um he's <laughs> got his arms stretched out that's an excellent record i'm forgetting what it is although it's on the there's plenty of tracks from it on the playlist um and i you know i just started looking kind of just exploring his catalog and and just realizing how great he was just like, like donald bird like just going back through all his all his his st stages of his career and realizing how important of an artist he was you know that's how i did it that was my thing yeah and i mean my, i i've maybe bored everyone with the story before but like my cousins would make me zappa mixtapes when i was like be, like as early as eight years old and uh like that ver where i first learned about the band like it was when we i finally got to see a video of them live i think it was on tv I, you know cable and i was like who's that who's that who's that and so that's how i became because i saw um i didn't really didn't know the band because i was getting all these mixtapes uh and all of them i mean just about three but but i kept those three for over like 10 15 years uh but like getting figuring out more about the people in the band because the band you know zappa's band um play really well individually uh, but they play even better as a group. There's a synergy uh, on Zappa's music, or at least with this band, and the, the, some of the music that he, that was probably some of the more complicated Zappa uh, compositions. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I grew up, like my gateway into Zap, the world of Zappa was Apostrophe, Overnight Sensation, and the Rock and Roxy. Um, and that's why I, that, those were my jumping off points. And he was the, the part of the band that's in all three of those albums. Uh, and then finding out like some of the stuff that he did afterwards, which was more with Stanley Clark. And this is in like the 80s when I got a little older. Um, I mean, I didn't come ar even around to the, you know, the R will prevail and Solace and stuff like that until, geez, in the 90s, maybe in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't even really mm -hmm. remember, but it was more like, like you went actively after that, like digging in there, and mine was far more casual. Where if I saw a George Duke listed on something, I would I would listen to it or play it or say who you know try to learn about it and maybe buy a record here or there. But uh, yeah, I didn't like you know, geez, even getting Dookie treats like in the, I got that even a couple years after it came out, which is like I think in two thousand or like that, that stuff but he you know it's just again it's like someone it's not like you I would always have to look at his albums like I wonder what's inside here because I wouldn't do mm -hmm. you know you're like you said it's not really on mainstream radio there wasn't being passed around no people weren't yeah. really talking about it it was more something you kind of thought found about and uh, you know I, I mean some of the things also is like I just saw him being um, his name like listed on as a producer, like I think it was like Anita Baker and uh, Denise Williams, Williams uh, yeah, Pointer Sisters, Jeffrey Jeffrey Osborne, right, Gladys right, right, right. Another way that he was very much like Donald Byrd. He got he had his own crossover success, and then all of a sudden, all these artists are looking 
for that sound, whatever his sound was, they were looking for it. So they hired him, you know, yeah. and um, kind of like, you know, like the Mizell brothers, like Donald Byrd, like they just they used him to kind of give them that sound. Um, and and it's it's I, I love that. I love when the sort of artist, musician, producer sort of. Yeah, and he yeah pipeline. It's great. Yeah, and he won a couple Grammys, and also, mm -hmm. I mean, after he passed, like Al Jarreau did an album with, you know, that did, did there was all songs the George Duke songs, and our uh, our friend uh, Patrice Russian even does a track on there. Um, Ooh, which I have Yeah, which I haven't heard that album, but I've, I I I'm gonna have to check it out because mm -hmm. I'm not the biggest Al Jarreau. It's like that. Like, I, I got some joints from him that are good. You know, he it, touches his wall. Like it's his. Is like it the, the tone of his voice? What is it that? It, 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 it. I think just his toe is kind of touching into the quiet storm level of jazz sometimes. See, that doesn't bother me. I'm willing to go there always. The quiet storm. I'm always willing to go to the quiet storm. Yeah, that. It's not the. It's not the coolest thing in the world, uh, but. There's a lot of musicianship and interesting melodies. It's just it's just real slow. So I can see like have you ever had guacamole yeah. when they don't put seasoning in it? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> to <laughs> you, not to me. You would you eat I guacamole? Listened Anita, I, I listened to Anita Baker's first record yesterday, and of course I got the eye roll when Nicole rolled into the uh, into the <laughs> record room. But I can't help it. There's some good shit there, you I know. Mean, and uh, he's and the king good... of the deep tracks. He's always looking, always looking. That's true. Nice plug. Nice plug. And that, <laughs> that, is, that is true. You can't you can't be king of the di deep cuts and be a snob like I am. So, no, uh, no. I'm okay with being like Doctor Side. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I basically don't go to yeah I'm side B and that, that's where it stops for me but yeah you're, you're right it's you know Al is a great singer and I think that yeah. the thing is is that he, you know George Duke casted a wide net of influence and I mean if you can go with hardcore titans like Cannonball and then and then go transition and this is a serious transition to like Zappa and then go do a, a, a solo career where you're basically not really, you're doing all kinds of different kind of moving where whatever the flow or the, your collaborators want to take you. I mean, mm -hmm. the guy is just, you know, we, you know, we this, you know, George Duke, you know, you say this a lot of times and I think that it, this is one of those times too, is like this, this show is built around guys, like George Duke is a musician that basically is on the, the Mount Everest of auto reverse in terms of the people who, yeah. who really need a lot of more exposure and attention. But oh. and let's talk about something that's not musical with regards to George. Let's do that. This just that smile of his. It's just it, I see him on the album covers and I see it in pictures. He's it's that smile. It's that like. It's that he's loving. It just seems like he's loving. He was loving what he was doing, and it was all just pleasure and 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 contentment. And you know, I'm all about broody, <laughs> brooding artists and stuff like. I love all that stuff too. But there's something. There's like a like it, I don't know. There's like a, just a joy to see him performing. To see uh, mostly on video because I can't. You know I'm. YouTube videos and stuff. I don't. I've never. I never saw him play live, 
but just and then the pictures of the owl, uh, the album covers and stuff and pictures of him it's just such a joy it just seems like such a joyful person and and that's that in itself is infectious yeah there's an to, unabashed you know. joy in what he does mm, and, exactly and it comes through even like i've listened to a couple interviews with him and he's just you know he's a very smiling happy guy who mm-hmm. even when he's telling like a difficult story it kind of reminds me of yeah. this is not you know just in kind of the manner it reminds me of like uh ronnie james dio someone who mm-hmm. who had probably a lot of times shit on him but always spoke positively and enthusiastically yeah. about what they did and what they, their next thing that they were going to do and the people that they got they were fortunate enough to to work with so yeah he's someone i think george and dio it was a weird combination a uh, weird uh, comparison but no it's no i think it's cool um i think they were willing to see themselves not just as solo artists right or, or artists you know, like on their own. I think they were also seeing themselves as conduits, as like the as the part of a of a being that could sort of um, help transform something and help move it along. I think Dio, George, other and and there are many other artists. Um, I think they they their whole thing was uh, in service of the music like more yeah. than in service of themselves and their egos and their who the fuck knows their hot sauce like whatever they they were all in the service of the music and i think like to me for george the main the main example of that besides being in Cannon, cannonball's band is being in zappa's band because what else would that why else would you be in that band right. if you're not serving uh, well, Frank's vision and you know what I mean like and and also like you think about it like Frank everything I ever read about him it's like he never did the same solo twice all those like kind, yeah. kind of things everything was so um, interpretive and and free-flowing and I, I just think he found a person in George that understood that and was willing to go there and you and you just see it throughout George's life it's just well as an artist that's what he did well that was funny it's like um his he started on classic piano and then his cousin said something to the effect he was saying like you know I want to play in a style that's a little bit more liberating and his cousin was mm-hmm. like look go play jazz because then you can improvise and do what you got you can do what you you know whatever you want to do that's the best part about jazz and yeah. and I think that he got himself in situations where it tapped into that uh, mm-hmm. that desire and being able to do what you desire and be able to express it the way that you want to and work with people who are going to challenge you and push it, push it out, push the best out of you. I mean, I would put a smile on my face, especially if that was the main thing that you focused on. It wasn't money or anything, fame or anything. It was really these connections and these things that you were creating and shipping for other people to enjoy. And people were enjoying it. And whether it was you know, a crowd of a hundred or, you know, 50,000, it didn't matter to him. It's like, I got, you know, he's got, he got the ability to go do what he wanted to do and to, you know, quote unquote, be free. Yeah. And it, and it just shows you like, too, like, you know, we look at some of these artists that crossed over, like George did, like, um, like Donald Byrd and, and Patrice Russian. I feel like they crossed over, not for, for a desire to to be cash to in. have more money or, yeah. or to be, or cash in i think they did it because it was a challenge and it was like they they felt like their 
their gene, not genius, but their, their sort of like musical uh, IQ needed that. It needed to go into that realm that was, you know, it's a realm that sometimes critics, you know, write off as like bullshit, you know, right. and they were like, no, 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 no. Hold on a second. It's not bullshit. Let, let me show you. Right. And then they would go in there. And that that to me is not just ballsy, but it's that it that too is liberating. Yeah. If you think about it. they were liberating themselves of a thing that they had already made. And and that well, I think sometimes you know it's why I like Dylan so much. This like sort of like a, a, this this desire to continuously liberate themselves from the thing from before. Yeah, this wandering spirit that just kind of yeah. that doesn't really set in one place and just kind of goes and it searches things because you got this, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, like this ball of knowledge and skill. It's like, well, how else can I apply that? And there's people who are very energized by that, and they make usually mm -hmm. the most interesting thing. The people who are like, you know, I only can shred or I only can play these type right. of music. Those are the ones they can make some good albums, but they don't. They don't make anything that goes beyond. That's that that. But yeah. but 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 also to the, you know. The, the, but they also they find this joy of being able to go the challenge of. You know, trying to do disco or trying to do funk or blues, and it's like, let me try to see if what I can, you know, how I can apply what I like to do or what I know how to do, and expand the world that I'm, you know, adding new colors to my palette, as they like to say. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's what I look for. I look that that sort of wandering spirit is what I'm looking for always in music. I'm yeah. always looking. Like I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love bands like Riot or UFO who tended right. to like who yeah. tended to do their the thing. The peanut butter and jelly it. bands, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those bands, and I will always go back to them too. But the wandering spirits are the ones that I can kind of follow in right. in my own in my own imagination. Obviously, right. a lot of them are dead or and haven't made records for years. But in my own imagination, I can continuously discover them i've talked about this to, with you before on air on, on the show and also off air it's like i can savor the work that they've done almost in a in a way making believe like it's new you know like i'm yeah, it's going a, it's on a, that ride with them it's yeah it's like a you know it's like a piece it's a flavor that never really loses it's you know a piece of gum that never uses its flavor it's just like you just That's keep right. you just keep savoring it and savoring it and it's just yeah and it's you know sometimes they make stuff that's like tra that transcends even what your expectations and other times it's just like hell i've been listening to shut up and play your guitar and there's nothing really incredible on any of these things it's just but it's really fun to listen to it, and i'm enjoying it because there's nothing that really stands out other than these guys playing these different songs and their different interpretations of stuff. Uh, and they're trying new things. And you know, that, that, that has its rewards on itself. So, Well, good old Joe Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was kind of rushing to, to sum it up. But I, did I step on it? Oh, well, you're summing it up. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> but let us know what you think about old George Duke or let us know about someone you would like us to go, you know, uh, take a take in and uh, see how much flavor they have. That didn't sound creepy at all, did it? Um, <laughs> Auto reverse pod at gmail.com. You know, 
our Facebook and uh, Instagram page is another place you can contact us. But uh, yeah, drop us a line, let us know, and uh, we'll see you next time. Oh, oh go ahead, Wait, buddy. hold on, Uh-oh. hold on. A plug, a plug, Uh-oh. a plug. Here we go. Before, before we sign off. So our show, Auto Reverse, is going to air on the radio station, community radio station that I have my own radio show on, a live radio show, vinyl only. Uh, the name of the station is CJMP. Dot ca uh that we're gonna have our show um um what do you call it um air air on on the radio one episode a week from on tuesdays at six from 6 p.m to 6 30 uh uh pacific standard time so if you feel like tuning in and listening to it on the radio you can do that it uh obviously most of you are not in the pal river <laughs> British Columbia area, you could do it online and that's cjmp.ca backslash listen. Yeah, or listen to and listen to Tony's show, which is uh, 3 o'clock Eastern time on Fridays at the same URL. That's right. Yeah. yeah we gotta, I wasn't going to plug my own show, but that's, that's yeah, fine. I don't, I don't <laughs> have anything else to plug. So, Alright, well, we're, uh, we're this good. is a great show. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> well, thank you, Tony. And we'll see you next time. Okay. <laughs> All right, see ya. All right, bye. (laughs)